Okay. So, anyways, uh, we, we are going to be continuing our series tonight of earthly things. And this is something that we really didn't get an opportunity to do um, for the podcast because we started the podcast later. We did this a while back and we weren't really set up for it. So, it doesn't matter that you didn't get parts one through three. We are going to put those up online. I have PowerPoints for each one. So, whenever we get them up online, all you got to do is look for of earthly things. It's going to be in the apologetic section of our website and it'll give you the gist of what we talked about. But we're going to pick up with part four and this will be basically what we're going to talk about on Wednesday nights. On Friday nights, we'll keep doing our study of Messianic festivals and on Sundays, we're doing the series on First John. So tonight, uh, this part of Henry Morris's book uh, which is called uh, The Biblical Basis for Modern Science. It's really good. I recommend it. You'll probably find it on Amazon for, you know, used a few dollars. Might even be able to find a Kindle version pretty cheap. But anyways, this particular chapter that we're going to be covering today is called Biblical Evolutionism, which, of course, biblical is in quotes because there's no such thing as biblical evolutionism. It is an oxymoron. But what we're going to look at today is a lot of different compromises how evolution has crept into our public school system, it's crept into our churches, and how we should respond to it. Um, spiritually speaking, how should we interact with people as we're sharing the gospel? Because sharing the gospel is a spiritual endeavor. So whenever we share the gospel, it's not just about knowing the arguments and learning how to refute the arguments. Of course, we're going to talk about some of that. But also, um, how do we approach apologetics at all? Should we look at people as um, objects? people who, you know, if we just argue with them enough, we can convince them of one thing or another, or right. is there more to it than that? I think there's a lot more to it than that. Again, I think that there's spiritual warfare. I think that we should share the gospel and prayer, but evolution does tie into this. Creation does tie into this. Uh, it's definitely something that I run into when I'm teaching high school students this semester in particular. I've talked a lot about creation and evolution. I've had students who were struggling with these issues because they were trying to share the gospel with their friends, and this comes up. Right. Like, before I can even think about Jesus, I have to think about creation and Genesis. Can I believe that? I mean, right. six days of creation, only a 6,000-year-old universe. How can I believe in Jesus if I don't first have a reason to believe in that other stuff, right? right. Because they are aware, evolutionists are, at least a number of them, that the Bible's a unified whole, you know, at least from the Christian perspective. Sure. The Christian perspective is that the whole Bible's the Word of God. And so they do pick up on the inconsistency of someone saying, well, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but I don't believe in a literal creation. Right. And so they try to dismantle our belief in Jesus by dismantling Genesis. Right. So all this stuff's going to be talked about today. But anyways, moving on. Uh, again, all these slides will be eventually put on our website. So you can go back and maybe listen to this again with those slides in front of you, and it'll make even more sense. But uh, first, let's talk about before and after Darwin. Because we're based here in America, wherever you're listening, we're glad that you're listening to us. But in America, evolution started to impact the school system. It started to impact um, academia early 1900s. I was going to say. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. there obviously were... Uh, people who held to evolution before that. Um, mm -hmm. It didn't take long for evolution to hop across the pond and make it here. Uh, but we're going to talk just a little bit about how evolution became so widely accepted 
And I want to start with this quote by a scholar on the history of evolution, and his name is Ostrander. I forget his first name. Uh, he wrote a book called The Evolutionary Outlook, and he's quoted in Henry Morris's book. Again, that's the biblical basis for modern science. So this is what it says. The American nation had been founded by intellectuals who had accepted a worldview that was based upon biblical authority as well as Newtonian science. So this is something that people need to know if you're listening to this and you're part of that group who believes in revisionism. You believe that you know our country was founded by deists. Right. That we weren't really evangelicals. We were people who at the very outset had this very distant academic view of God. Mm. Um, it's true that the people who believed in God when our country first got started were dedicated to Newtonian science, as he mentions right. here, right? So, you know, we were, as a nation, a nation that believed in a God of design, uh, a God of science, but we did not divorce that in the beginning right. from biblical authority. And neither did Sir Isaac Newton. I was going to say, yeah. Sir Isaac Newton was a strong believer in the biblical God, and yes. not only did he have a lot of ingenious uh, scientific insights to give the world, but he also wrote a number of things on Bible prophecy. Huh. And so it's funny that a lot of people will applaud Sir Isaac Newton right. for his studies in physics, but they won't acknowledge the fact that don't he even was talk a, about. Yeah, they don't even talk about how he was a supernaturalist and yeah. he believed in the end of the world and he believed sure. in a personal God, not a distant God, but a personal God who is revealed in the Bible. Right. And so um, I'm not saying that you know Sir Isaac Newton would be you know, necessarily like part of the Baptist denomination. And we would Absolutely agree, we not, would agree right, with yeah. him on every single thing because, however, you know, being Baptist, right. But however, he did believe in the biblical God. And so we got to give him credit for that. And we will see him one day. Absolutely. In heaven, right? Absolutely. Uh, from what I gather, from what I've read, uh, he firmly believed in Jesus. So, uh, but we praise God for his insights that he gave the world. But Anyways, the point is that in America at the outset, in the late 1800s, we were, sorry, late uh, 18th century is what I meant to say. Late 18th century, uh, we were a country that was firmly based on biblical authority mm -hmm. and science. And mm -hmm. there was no perceived contradiction between the two. Right. Now, moving into the early 1800s, there wasn't really much of a change. It wasn't until the mid-19th century, whenever you have Darwin publish his book, Origin of the Species, that it started to cause quite a stir in Great Britain. Now, since this is before modern communication, modern transportation, I, I'm not an expert on how long it took, really, for evolution to become popular over here. Yeah, um, I would encourage you to do some research on that. But I do know that based on what I've read, that we don't really see evolution um, upsetting the order of things mm -hmm. until the early 1900s, really um, after World War One, and so I'm going to give you a few, huh. few uh, points on the calendar to sort of consider because these are really big events and they still impact us today. And mm -hmm. ironically, uh, sadly, despite how important these events are, people don't really know a whole lot about them. Um, so the first one is the publication of the fundamentals. It's a multi-volume publication of these essays, and that's where we get the term fundamentalist from. Huh. So the fundamentals were written in response to theological liberalism in the Presbyterian denomination. So while fundamentalist doesn't now refer to just 
conservative Presbyterians. Um, it all started with the Presbyterian denomination. Huh. Uh, so there was Not some, the, there were some people in yeah. this denomination that were teaching uh, liberal views. They were denying the virgin birth. Uh, they were denying the deity of Christ. They were trying to marry uh, the Bible with the new theory of evolution and all of these these teachings that were starting to become popular in the Presbyterian denomination were really scary to the conservatives, were really scary sure. to the people that were trying to... Most of them at the yeah, time, I, I would I, imagine. I would assume yeah, that, yeah. that most of most of the people, at least, we could say the laity for sure. Absolutely. It was really the seminary where people were going, and yeah. these were things that were being taught. And guys, I just warn you, I'm not against seminary at all. I went to seminary, and there are some seminaries that I still recommend to people, but you got to be careful because... Even it, at those ones. Yeah, even at those seminaries, what happens is in the classrooms, people talk. They, yeah. they have lots of speculation, lots of idle chatter. And uh, in those classrooms, I think that professors, too, can be really bold mm. uh, using their authority or rather misusing and abusing their authority to teach ideas that, you know, maybe even other people in that college don't know about until it's too late and their ideas really start to root in their students. That happened in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Yes. And, of course, they cleaned house back in the, the 70s and the 80s. And, and, you know, and we still see... We still see a struggle even today in the Southern Baptist the Convention. Going through yeah. some stuff right now. They are. So. So, so, and, and now the main issue, I think, more than anything, is critical race theory. So yeah. Yeah, there are different things that we've encountered, conservatives have. Uh, but like I said, seminary is definitely a place where you have to be very wary. I'm not against seminary. I'm fully for theological education. But you know, go into seminary knowing that the Bible is your authority and that we walk by faith. Yeah. And we walk by faith in the authority of the inerrant Word of God. And so whenever that is being challenged, that authority is challenged, whether people deny inerrancy or they deny a, a plain teaching of Scripture, um, we have to stick to our guns. Yes. And that's why I'm so thankful for the people in church, not for seminaries. I'm thankful for the people in church because I think that the people in church have kept seminaries in check. Yeah. Um, I think that if it was the other way around, if the church was governed by, if its destiny was directed by the colleges— yeah. then that would be a much scarier world. But there are a lot of people who they may not have lots of education, but listen, they know that Jesus is God in the flesh and salvation's by grace through faith. And this Bible right here is the word of God and we're sticking with it. That's and right. they may not be able to write the articles and publish books and have public debates, but, but they have faith that honors God and they're the salt. That's they're right. the light. And so anyways, the as a result of the controversy, in the early 1900s, from 1910 to 1915, the fundamentals were published, and uh, evolution is included in these essays. It's mentioned. Hmm. So I have to bring this up, though. At this point, there were already a ton of people who, in the 1800s, would have rejected evolution, and they would have been adamant about it, but they also would have accepted other tenets. Hmm. They would have accepted, uh, through the influence of the Schofield Reference Bible, the gap theory yeah, or the right. ruined reconstruction theory, as it's called. So they would have said that, you know, there's lots of time, these geologic ages, the millions of years. That whole you thing. fit that between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2. Yeah. So they would say literal six days of creation. But that creation, those six days, is actually a reconstruction or a restoration of a world that was ruined by this massive flood, which is often known as Lucifer's flood. And they say that you put the rebellion of the angels 
and the destruction of the earth, which made it without form and void. You put all of that right after verse one. And so verse two picks up and everything's without form and void because millions of years have passed. And at the tail end of that, you have the rebellion of Lucifer and the ensuing destruction. So that, that where doesn't you, make any, I mean, go ahead. Okay. I get it. But it's like, okay, where do they get those thoughts? That, that's exactly the question, isn't it? Right. Um, and the answer is they get it from, they get hats. it from bad science. Right. That's where they get it. They get yeah. that and speculation. So, um, what happened though is science is, is becoming more and more respected. Sure. Uh, in the UK, less people are, and we'll talk about this in a, in a minute, less people are having this just trust in the Bible's authority right. and they're having more of a trust in science. I mean, you have the industrial revolution, you know, it, it appears that everybody's advancing lots of inventions and this scientific push yeah, is making yeah, yeah. people think that the way we judge the world, the way we determine truth is science and man's reasoning. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you have these people not being governed by the Bible. They come up with these ideas of millions of years. Uh, Charles Lyell um, in the, I think it was late 1700s, he came up with uh, principles of geology, which would later be known as uniformitarianism. So basically slow uniform processes yeah. over millions of years uh, resulted in these different geologic layers, which make up the geologic column. So, and that's pr the predominant theory till today. Sure. So whenever you have all these scientists saying this and not all, and when I say all, it was all of these, this particular group, but there were a number of them who believed in what you would call catastrophism. They believed that there was a global flood and it yeah. formed these layers and it explained everything, the fossils. Um, but Charles Lyell's theory became very popular. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think mm. that, again, it was there was a skepticism towards the authority of the Bible. We could chalk that up to saying it's man's pride. Uh, it also had to do with religious battles mm. and, and wars that had happened. I mean, ever since the Reformation, you have Protestants, Catholics killing each other. And it, it, it's been, uh, you know, a very tumultuous time from the Reformation till the 1800s mm. as far as religion is concerned. Even before uh, that, though. Even right, before that, right. but, I, but especially... Especially yes. since then, because and it's ironic that the Reformation actually gave rise to freedom of speech, yes. freedom of religion, just freedom in general. And people were refreshed by that freedom. But from that position of freedom, from that position of advantage compared to the, the dark ages that people lived in, yes. they looked at all of this from another perspective now. They think, oh, well, I'm thankful for the freedom, but... Maybe they all got it wrong. Maybe maybe yeah. these these religious people are just nuts. And so that was a a prevailing idea. <laughs> and when you have science over here, yeah. And yeah, and you have okay, so you have man's pride and you have the religious wars that were taking place. And then you have the rise of scientific study and advancement and people start trusting more in man's reason. It's again, it's the sin nature of man. We just got cocky. Yes. We really did. And so uh, anyways, in the 1800s, before evolution really became a threat, I think, we were already giving way on uh, things like millions of years and uh, geology instead of explaining things by the flood and using the biblical record and saying there's no such thing as uh, prehistory. We have all the history in the Bible yeah, from the yeah. very beginning. It's right there. Instead of sticking with that, you have people like Sir Thomas, I think it was Sir, 
believe so. Sir Thomas Chalmers, and he was a Scotsman, and he was actually known for you know uh, his conservative theology. Right. But um, he devised this way of taking the geologic ages and, and reconciling them with the Bible. And so in the in the 19th century, we're already having people doing this. So what happens is you start to lose credibility, I think, in the eyes of the world Absolutely. when you do that, because you, the fundamentalists would adamantly argue against evolution and say it's compromised. Praise God, I agree 100%. But, on the, but at the same time, a number of the fundamentalists are saying, but there's millions of years in this gap between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. And you know what the evolutionists would say? They'd say, show me any evidence for this gap you speak of. It seems like what you're trying to do is take a Bible that doesn't teach that at all and make it look like what we're saying. So what you're trying to do is compromise the plainness of what of your Bible mm-hmm. to reflect what we're teaching. Why don't you just dismiss the Bible altogether? And that's right. what atheists and evolutionists will say today. So that's why we as Christians, we're doing nobody any favors. We're not doing God favors. We're not doing the lost favors by compromising because they can perceive that inconsistency. It's much better to show how the Bible explains the evidence better and, yeah. and, and say, you know, it's me and God's word against the world. Okay. It doesn't matter if the majority say this, take the logic of God's word and nothing's more logical than God's word and expose the errors. But um, anyways, moving on. So you have the fundamentals. Um, not too long after that, uh, you have scopes trial, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of monkeys. Yeah, yeah, Scopes Monkey Trial is what it's often been called. And you have that movie. It's I think it's called Inherit the Wind, I yeah, think is the name I of think it. That's what it is. And it, it caricatures the Christians. It makes them out to be so crazy in that movie. Yes. Um unfortunately that's that's not accurate at all. In fact, I read the story about I think it was um I don't know if it was the judge, but it was somebody who was present at the trial, Clarence Darrow, who was the prosecution. Or sorry, he was the defense defense attorney. Uh, got that backwards there. Um, but Clarence Darrow was an agnostic, and he was getting very heated um, at, at one point during the trial, and he was charged with contempt, hmm. and he apologized. And afterward, I think it was the judge again. Don't quote me on that. Just look it up. But afterwards, um, this person that was there shared the gospel with him. Wow. And so, in, in far from the Christians being crazy and hateful, sure, um, Clarence Darrow was out of line. Yes. And and while William Jennings Bryan, the guy who uh, was the prosecution, when, when he was on the stand and, and he was being interrogated by Clarence Darrow, um, you know, he, he was calm and stuck to his guns. And, you know, he did say some stuff sure. that, that really, they, they were poor statements. And I think that Clarence Darrow and other people, they took advantage of that and they went for the throat. For example, you know, who was, who was Cain's wife? Where did Cain get his yeah, wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that would imply that we're not all descended from Adam and Eve. And so if there was another group of people, right, and that's where Cain got his wife. And, Cla- and uh, William Jennings Bryan, instead of saying, well, this is what the answers in Genesis ministry would say, and I think they're right in saying this, instead of saying something like, well, that could have been his cousin, maybe sure, sister, yeah, right. you know, someone who was closely related to him. Yeah. Siblings did have to get married at first. Mm. Of course, mutations weren't an issue back then like they are today. Right. Mutations have developed over time. Siblings getting married and having kids, while that would be very strange from our perspective, there was nothing sinful in it because they're 
there was nothing harmful about it at all. Right. It wasn't an irresponsible thing like it would be today. Yeah. And so instead of responding that way, <laughs> Mr. Brian just said, well, I'll let the agnostic search for Cain's wife. You know, so he didn't. Re- yeah. So he did. He did stick to the authority of God's word, and we can, we can uh, applaud him for that. But there were other things that he said that kind of, again, it exposed the inconsistency yes. of fundamentalists back then. Because he was a he was a fundamentalist. He was against mm. evolution. He mm. was against the monkey business. You know, but he he did say in that trial, I think that those days were were probably ages. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So he didn't believe in evolution. Right. But he did believe that God created progressively, and we'll get to that in a minute. And so God created over, yeah. even though not from one cell to monkeys to us, God did, didn't did create everything in six days. It, it was a creation that mm. was divided into ages, and each age represents millions of years. So these ideas, the gap reconstruction theory, the progressive creation theory, these were ideas that fundamentalists held. So they were already compromising at this point. Sure. Now, we have to be generous, I think. Be gracious toward them because, as I've heard it said by Andy Woods, and he's done a really good uh, study on this. So I encourage you to check out uh, Dr. Andy Woods. Um, and I believe his church is a Sugarland Bible Church out in Texas. I've heard of that before. Um, but I, I've watched lots of his stuff. His study on creation in Genesis is phenomenal. But he said that at this time in history, you didn't have ministries like Answers in Genesis and ICR.org. Somebody that's and, really dug into yeah, it. Yeah, and, and so right, when you yeah. don't have when you don't have those options, sure, it's not that you don't have the Word of God. You do, but when you don't have someone championing that position, right? you're thinking, okay, well, you got over here the, the conservatives, the fundamentalists who are holding to the gap theory, progressive creation. They felt safe with that. Sure. 